Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its applications, the IMA. My name is Peter Rowlett. Uh, this is episode 47. 47 is prime, uh, and is the quintessential random number, uh, a popular in-joke. Uh, I'll put some links in the show notes for the podcast if you want to find out more about that. This week on the podcast, we hear from Mark Bly of the University of East Anglia, who talked to me about his work applying mathematics to biology and medicine. Okay, so um, I'm Mark Bly. I'm a reader in applied mathematics at uh, the University of East Anglia. So I've been here for six years now as a, as a lecturer to undergraduates. I did my degree in Bristol, um, a straight maths degree, um, for three years. Then I went to Manchester and I did an MSc, and it was then that I started to specialise in what I do now for research, which is fluid mechanics or the study of fluid flow, and in all the possible um, scenarios that might uh, conjure up. So I'll talk a little bit more in a minute about what I do. Um, Then I went to London, to Imperial College, to do my PhD, and that was in fluid mechanics as well. And specifically what I was doing for my PhD was studying uh, a model of blood flow in the arteries. Because it's been known for some time that certain diseases develop in the arteries because of the way blood flows through our arteries. And in particular, it's a certain disease called atherosclerosis, which not many people have heard of, but actually kills about one-third of people in Western society. It it kind of leads on to things like strokes and heart attacks. And it's believed um, very strongly now, through very good evidence, that this disease starts or is initiated in sites on the inside of an artery where what we call the the wall shear stress is very low. Basically that just means where the force that the fluid is imposing on the wall as it flows past is is quite small. So for example as blood flows around a bend, because of course arteries aren't all straight in the body, they they bend and they, they bifurcate, when it flows past a bend then the the shear stress on the outer part of the bend is stronger than on the inner part of the bend. And it's on the inner part of the bend that can be, um, this disease can start, can initiate. So what I was doing for my PhD was using mathematics to solve the equations of fluid flow to try and help predict where these problems might occur. So the the basic equations of fluid mechanics are called the Navier-Stokes equations, and these govern all fluid phenomena everywhere. It's actually worth saying what I mean by fluid, because I think... Most people would interpret fluid as a liquid, but it just means something that flows, so air is also a fluid. So that's what I do these days. I do all sorts of problems in fluid mechanics, and it's what I really like about my job, actually, which is that there's such a variety of different things you can do, and as a mathematician, you can pretty much do anything. You have a set of equations, and you can apply them to whatever problem you like, as long as it's applicable, of course, but the actual physics of the problem... or which area of science it comes from, whether it's chemistry or biology or physics, to us it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, we're going to have an equation and we try and solve it. So, to give you an example, some of the things I do... At the moment, I have a PhD student who's working on another aspect of blood flow, which is looking at how red blood cells move through capillaries. Uh, Now, capillaries, of course, are very small blood vessels in the human body, and the, the typical diameter of a capillary is smaller than the size of a red blood cell. So the way that a blood cell gets through the capillaries, it sort of folds up on itself and it squeezes through. And one of the things that people are interested in understanding is, first of all, what shape the red blood cell adopts as it goes through, and secondly, what stresses it undergoes. 
Because if you want to, for example, develop synthetic blood, so you don't have to take so many blood transfusions, then you need to design the synthetic blood to mimic the mechanical properties of real blood. And in order to do that, you need to understand what the real mechanical properties of blood are. So that's one project. And this is the way that we, that we study this problem, is through using the equations of both fluid mechanics, because blood is a fluid, and also solid mechanics, or the equations of elasticity, because red blood cells are made up, basically speaking, of an elastic material that can withstand stretching and, and bending. Another project I'm doing with a student is on digestion in the human body. So these things, that you can't, it kind of sounds like you're leaping from one thing to the other, but it's still all mathematics. Um, and this is uh, a girl called Lydia is working on this problem, and we're trying to understand how food begins to be digested in the stomach. So when you eat food, it goes down to the stomach, of course. In the upper part of the stomach, the food is subjected to a fairly gentle pulsing motion. But the walls of the stomach are elastic, and they can squeeze in and out, and they do this fairly gently to begin with. And then the food gets taken down into the lower part of the stomach, and then it gets a bit more serious, and it's pounded around, and fairly large stresses are imposed upon it to break up large food items. We're looking at what happens in the upper part of the stomach with this, this fairly gentle pulsing motion, and looking at the fluid motions that are generated, because, of course, the stomach is full of fluid, of digestive fluids, and how... That there is mixing takes place in those fluids and how enzymes are delivered to food that you've eaten. And this is a very interesting project. Again, it, it couples the uh, fluid motion and the equations of fluid mechanics with elastomechanics, as it's called, because the, the walls of the stomach are elastic, as I said. And it's a very complex problem. And another thing that's, that's very nice about the work that I do, or about mathematical modelling as we call it you take a real life physical problem and you try and reduce it to a set of mathematical equations and that's very difficult a difficult problem like this with lots of things going on as you can imagine in the stomach how do you even start to model that and it's interesting in that in trying to do that you sit down and you talk to scientists from different backgrounds so um, I'm not the only one working on this project as a, as a group of, of mathematicians doing it and we've been talking to scientists at the Food Research Institute which is just next door to the University of East Anglia and to physicists and to biologists and you talk to all these different people and it's very, very interesting, it's, it's really nice and you're still doing what basically you like I, mean, I did a maths degree because I like maths and I'm still here doing it so just finally, one, one other project that I'm doing which takes me into yet another area of science is trying to model so-called root hairs in plants. Now, I had no idea what a root hair was before I started doing this, and what they are are tiny little hairs that grow on the outsides of roots of plants and help to anchor plants into the soil and also help, help to garner nutrients from the soil. And it's not, as it turns out, well understood how these things grow. And, of course, they don't always grow um, correctly, if you like. You get mutants that grow into the wrong shape and, and so on and so forth. And people want to understand these things. A lot of scientific problems just come down to that. They want to know why is this the case. And I've been talking to people at the John Innes Centre, which is, again, near to UEA, about how we can move forward in using fluid mechanics, because inside a plant cell there is essentially a fluid that's moving around. How can we understand the growth of these things in terms of the fluid pressure that's going on inside the cell and the, the, the fluid motions inside the cell? And again, this gets me talking to plant scientists and biologists. It's fantastic. Really good. To someone who's about to graduate, I would say look around at all the opportunities that are available. 
don't just think I'm a mathematician so therefore I must become an accountant because that's not, not the case. You might not necessarily end up doing a job that enables you to use mathematics every day. In fact, there are very few jobs like that. But you can find a job which enables you to use the skills that you've acquired as a mathematician. And, and maybe some of the techniques that you've learned. I mean, there's lots of opportunities in engineering. And, um, and you might want to go into academia, which would, if you, if you do just want to do maths every day, then, which is what I wanted to do, you can do that. But keep your horizons open and don't feel that you've got to be I don't feel that you've sort of been shoeboxed into perhaps what are viewed as the traditional career path of a mathematician, which I think is... I mean, every time I say to people that I did, I did a maths degree, they said, oh, well, you must have become an accountant then. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, no, not necessarily. So keep, look, look around. It's worth investing a lot of time in what the opportunities are out there and talking to people, of course, is the key. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. You can find out more about the podcast, get show notes related to each episode, and become a fan of the podcast on Facebook by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can find out more about what I do for the IMA by following me on Twitter, where I am Peter Rowlett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T. Thank you for listening.